Right now, I actually have time to sit down and study rudiments for an hour to two. And it's like very deep meditation. It's amazing how fast time goes by when you're sitting down doing something repetitive, but focusing on the specific tone that you're getting, the variations that you're doing, and to keep that order. This is Glenn Murphy with NC Sistema, and this is Sistema for Life. Alberto, thanks very much for joining us. Hey, Glenn, how are you? I'm doing okay, mate. How are you? Very well. Yes, thank you. Well, so um, can you tell folks a little bit about you know, yourself? Um, you've been on my other podcast before, um, talking about uh, Sistema and Russian martial arts and breathing and things like that. Um, but you're first and foremost, you're a primary care physician based in Michigan. Is that correct? Yes, I'm uh, a lifestyle board certified or lifestyle medicine board certified physician, and I'm also family medicine board certified. And uh, you know, I went to Wayne State University in Detroit. Uh, I trained in this part of Michigan. And uh, I have a, well, I, I've been uh, medical director for three different practices, and now I'm just medical director of one, which is actually better for me. Yeah. It's a smaller practice with four dedicated docs and one superb uh, nurse practitioner. And uh, we are doing lifestyle medicine. We're teaching people about diet, nutrition, exercise, uh, relaxation, mm. learning how to cope. You know, in other words, teaching them coping skills. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So. Well, all of which is going to be relevant to our conversation today. So, <laughs> so um, for, for posterity, because some people might be listening to this further down the line, hopefully in brighter days. Um, we're 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 speaking now in the midst of the uh, the lockdown surrounding the COVID nineteen situation. Right, most states, um, if not all, at the moment are still kind of locked down. People are on, um, you know, self imposed quarantine restrictions, and it's it's changed life for a lot of people. And um, it's of course we're doing this primarily to to avoid an overload to the healthcare system, and you've experienced that on the front line, I believe, like working with um, emergency um, urgent care departments and stuff like that with COVID patients specifically. But also, it's just affecting people's day to day lives, right? Where people who are not in healthcare. Yeah, that's actually actually very true. Uh, I was actually medical director of our urgent care system, and then uh, it got to be a lot to to do all those uh, medical director kind of jobs, plus working a full time practice. Mm. Uh, so I, uh, hired a really wonderful young doctor who is, uh, doing a, just a superb job of growing that part of our IHA, uh, St. Joe's slash Trinity, uh, practice. And so it's, uh, it's been good, but you know, the, the thing with that is that it's a different kind of thing than a, a private practice, a private practice. You see, you know, mostly very everyday kind of mundane things. And I don't mean to demean what their illness is, but they're just common things that we see regularly. And then occasionally we have a day of excitement where somebody has mm. a heart attack in the office or has a panic attack or, you know, and, and then everybody scrambles to help them out. But it's not exactly house MD every day, people with weird exotic tropical illnesses and things. <laughs> oh, no, no. We see common <laughs> stuff and we see uncommon stuff too, but you know, you've yeah. got to think of it to make the diagnosis. But when you're working some of the urgent cares or emergency rooms, it's actually wild and crazy rides all the time with occasional m mundane, everyday kind of things. But, but you know, uh, heart attacks are kind of everyday in, in, in our society, unfortunately. Yeah. And unfortunately, now COVID-19 uh, is also part of that yeah. uh, landscape. So, um, you know, and, and what's been amazing is I've seen so many people that 
thought they had this and they actually didn't, but the, the, their level of anxiety was so high. Mm. And I know probably we're going to be talking about this more in depth yeah. today, but uh, their level of anxiety was so high that uh, uh, they may as well just have had it. But, you know, thank goodness that they didn't. So, so what's, your, what's been your experience of working kind of on the front lines? We're going to come back to a little bit maybe of your, um, your other practice, to do it, but in, in the times when you've been working in the uh, emergency medicine, seeing people coming in, what, what have you seen? Is it reflected accurately in, in the media right now or is it um, a different, different animal? Well, it depends which media you read and hear. I mean, um, mm. the reality of it is that, yes, we are seeing a lot of sick people. Um, not all of them have COVID-19. Uh, the ones that do, most of them have a very, if, they're, if their baseline state is that they're healthy, for the most part, they do very well. They have minor symptoms for a day or two or three, sure. sometimes even up to a week if they're unlucky. Mm. But uh, most of the time they bounce back and they're, and they're thankful to be alive and they're thankful that they got better. Yeah. Uh, a small percentage of people get very, very ill and they just kind of take a downward spiral and, and they wound up they wind up on ventilators. Yeah. Um, but the vast majority of people that get this illness do not get very ill. Sure. Um, th there's uh, tons of evidence that right now uh, the, the folks that are unhealthy at baseline or that are above 70, the, the numbers jump up and above 80, they really jump up at yeah. the depth. People that are unhealthy or older, and you know, the assumption is that when you're when you get into your 80s, your immune system is not the same as that of a 25 year old. Right? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's not necessarily the case. We have a 90 some year old that uh, has bounced back from COVID 19. She did very well. And we also have people on the flip side, right? There's been a couple of 36 year olds who. Oh boy, yeah, 29 year old, and uh, that's uh, on event right now, and uh, it's it's heartbreaking, you know, to see that because yeah. there are people that you would presume were going to be healthy and bounce back, but for whatever reason, uh, they did not, they are not doing as well as they should. Um, but again, that's, that's part of the terrifying part of this is that you can't predict something with 100% certainty. Um, I should add that, you know, when you look at heart attacks, I've seen some very overweight people, maybe on the borderline of being obese or obese people, and you check their numbers, you check their coronaries, and they're okay. And sometimes you see slim athletic appearing people mm. who have terrible coronary arteries. Yeah. And so even under those circumstances, you can't predict with a hundred percent certainties. You yeah. Mean, you can make general, you know, sort of generalizations, mm. but that's where you get burned. You have to take each patient as this is the only patient sitting in front of you. Uh, forget about the statistics and just deal with wh whatever it is they tell you and whatever it is that you think based on your experience. Gotcha. So you're right back to foundational medicine. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, definitely. So, um, so what's your experience in, um, in your kind of your everyday business when you're not in kind of like the emergency status? Kind of, are, are people still coming to see you for other things as much as they were? Are you even able to see people, or are you having to go telemedicine and kind of treat people remotely and things like that? That's that's a good question, and that's kind of what we're doing. Uh, we kind of use the science. We know that. Uh, if you get an infection, you're likely to be infectious for max about two weeks. Yeah. So what we've done is we've rotated the doctors. So uh, I was uh, on call two weeks ago. I'm sorry, in the office two weeks ago. And uh, we have a bigger group of doctors that's rotating through all, all the offices. And what we're doing is we are going to be in the office physically about once a month, as long as this lasts. Mm. And, you know, thankfully, we have enough docs and enough staff to, to do this. 
And uh, the rest of the time, we are working from home, which is what I've done all day today. From 8 this morning till 5, I had uh, patients that I, most of them, I did their their visits on Zoom. Mm. And uh, a few of them I did on phone because they, they're not very technologically savvy. And uh, and that's okay. We can have a nice discussion and talk about their issues and mm. help manage them. In general, I have a nurse call ahead of time and ask them to weigh themselves, check their blood pressure, check their pulse if they have a blood pressure machine. Mm. And uh, if they have lung disease or heart disease, we usually have them by a pulse oximeter and they check their oxygen concentration. Wow. So we have that data up front. We talk about their symptoms. We talk about their medications. We talk about what their labs were the last time they were done and what we need to do. And then we have a nice little conversation. It, you know, it's been really nice uh, actually going into people's homes through the, through the video yeah. um, and seeing them relax with a cup of tea in their hand or, you know, and, and, and meeting their little dog or their kid or their grandkid. <laughs> it's, it's kind of, it's kind of nice. That's, that's an interesting thing. Cause I mean, I, I think it's undeniable that a lot of people in a lot of fields of work are seeing kind of echoes of the future here, right? That, um, that there's there's going to be a future of more interlinked communication, less physical locations, more things are already moving into kind of cloudish things. I was even um, listening to a podcast earlier about um, cloud kitchens, you know, that so many restaurants are having trouble staying in business. So they've gone to this model where they, they have a kitchen, like an industrial sized kitchen, they cook all the same food, they just don't have a nice place with ambience that you can come to and sit down right now. Um, right. So they're just delivering all these things. And they're saying, well, we can give you the same fantastic food, we just have to deliver it to your house, you know, at warm, and then you can heat it up. And it's, um, and so that's probably going to be a permanent fixture even after this ends, right. And, and there's been a lot of talk about telemedicine, and how that's going to be increasingly happening in the future, both because of capacity, and um, also just because you know, some conditions, you, if you have that information, you can treat them quite effectively and it's a good use of your time as a physician, right? It's a good use of their time. And But I never really considered that, that some people have that genuine anxiety about going to the doctor's office, right? Or going to the hospital um, and the urgent care. And, and the, if they're in their own home being seen by you, somebody that they trust, it might actually be better for some people, right? Yeah, I mean, some people really are terrified for whatever reason. Maybe they had a bad childhood experience or maybe somebody they know had a bad experience yeah, uh, or they, or somebody they know died or had a bad experience while in the hospital. And so that's imprinted in their psyche. And they, um, you know, they, they react to that. They respond to that. We see people that come in and they have high blood pressure in the office and we tell them your blood pressure is high. And mm. they say, well, it's not high at home. And sure enough, when we send them home with a home blood pressure uh, machine, they, um, their blood pressures are fine. Um, so then we talk about what the reasons are and try and sort of get into that. But, you know, basically my partners and I have also have, have all had this discussion already about, you know, it's kind of nice to do this. I don't want to do this every day, but, yeah. um, uh, maybe, uh, I have a half a day that I work in the office and then I come home, uh, for the rest of the, you know, have the other half day off mm. and maybe I'll just stay home that day and do video visits, uh, that morning be done at noon and have a nice lunch with my wife. Right. Yeah. There's got, got to be some silver linings to this whole situation, right? <laughs> yeah, th th there is. And, and yeah. you know, and the thing is like anything else, you know, in, in the middle of uh, what looks like dire straits, according to the media and what looks like an impossible situation. Um, you know, I think ultimately people are very resourceful hmm. and figure out a way to make things happen and do the things that they need to do 
for themselves and for their for their patients or clients if you don't happen to be a doctor or, or a, a therapist, you know. To all our listeners and Sistema fans around the world, NC Sistema has moved all of our regular classes online, live streaming group classes via Zoom most days at 6.30 p.m. U.S. Eastern Standard Time, plus daytime classes on Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Sundays. Please consider this an open invitation for you and your students to join us for the duration of COVID, to come together online, and to keep our skills and our groups alive. Payment is on a sliding scale relative to where you're at and what you can afford. Visit ncsystema.com slash online to sign up today. Join us. That's a core area. It seems to me that some people, and there's some research on this as to how much of resilience is innate, right? And it's some people are just kind of born with a certain capacity to recover from kind of, uh, you know, sympathetic nervous system tests kind of thing that, you know, they have stronger yeah. vagal tone and a certain amount of it you're born with. And a lot of these people end up in careers be it emergency medicine or you know special forces or or whatever it's going to be where it's kind of high stress because right, they, they're just right. predisposed to reacting well to it and there's people on the other end of the spectrum that are not predisposed at all right and they they have a tendency towards despair and and it's hard for them to recover from from shocks yeah, and then there's a yeah. whole bunch of people that are just in the middle right they they could flip either way depending on the kind of care and the kind of environment they get and the kind of advice that they get and um, and the diet and a whole bunch of other things that come in. So I see it the way that, you know, we as people that work in healthcare and, and that work in helping people to become more resilient and to um, overcome their anxiety and things like that. How much of how much control is an interesting thing can we have at the moment? How much can we kind of nudge people towards behaviors that are going to help them in the midst of this? Because right now we have a, it's a strange situation, right? We have, We've gone to be able not to touch each other. Um, <laughs> there's no physical contact, really, but outside of right. the bubbles that we're in our families. And when right. we do, you know, when I take my kids to meet the grandparents, you know, to see them, we kind of wave at each other from other ends of each other ends of the, the drive, you know, and it's, yeah. and it's almost more painful to be in the presence of somebody who would normally give a, a hug, you know, and la oh, Latino yeah. cultures is abrazos everywhere and that sort of stuff, right? And that's gone out the window and it almost feels like, um, you know, we're treating people as if they're diseased, even if they're not. And there's something very anxiety producing about that. And then and the social gatherings that we're trying to have on Zoom and things like that sometimes can feel kind of forced and unnatural. There's an odd delay in the speech. And that normally would associate that with somebody who's just not interested or not quite following the conversation. But sometimes yeah. it's just the nature of the dig digital thing. And, and so people seem to be reacting to this some with kind of, you know, bounce back yeah we'll get through this you know keep calm and carry on and some people with abject despair and denial you know and there's everybody in between and 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 you as a as a specialist right a trained specialist in anxiety and yeah. depression how do you how have you seen the situation manifesting in people how, how have you seen people coping well you know um again the, the, you know the, there are some people that cope very well with just about anything you throw at them yeah and there are some people that fall apart. I mean, they can drown in a glass of water, it seems like, you know? Yeah. And, and it's very difficult. Um, thankfully, most people are sort of in the middle and you can nudge them in one direction or, an, or another. One of, the, one of the things that you can use to nudge them is to tell them, hey, this is not a jail. It's actually an opportunity. It's mm. an opportunity for you to exercise, to eat right, to try new things, uh, maybe go for a walk in your neighborhood. You know, yeah. just use, do, do all the safe things that you're supposed to do. Um, it, it's been amazing in my neighborhood. I live on, on a street that's a quarter mile long, 
and I've seen a young mom with her uh, two daughters going for runs. I had never seen that before prior to this. Yeah. And they're doing it once or twice a day. And, you know, the last time I saw them, they looked like little girls. Now they look like teenagers. Mm. And um, they're running with their mom. And it's a beautiful thing to watch these young, you know, children. Actually, they're probably young preteens or teens now starting to, to follow mom's running uh, habit. Uh, we see people that um, are now going for walks that I had never seen in, in our neighborhood before. Yeah. And they live in this neighborhood. They're actually going for walks together, husband and wife. And maybe they're not walking as fast as they used to, but they're going for walks. They're, they're getting out of the house. Something. And yeah. that's a really good thing. Uh, the other thing that I'm seeing a lot of is that people are very appreciative and, and courteous. I've seen that. Um, I've seen people waving people across or somebody's crossing the street and somebody's in the car instead of trying to barge through and, you know, sh- showing them one of their digits, they instead <laughs> slow down, stop and let them go through. Yeah. So I've yeah. seen increased levels of courtesy mm. and mm. of um, thoughtfulness, which is uh, really nice. Um, you right. know, I, I myself, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm cooking every day. Um, I love to cook. Uh, a lot of people think that if I, um, uh, that, that if I, if I hadn't been a physician, I would have been a musician, but I, oh, I, you I, are a musician, I right? I, well, <laughs> I am a musician, but, yeah. but I would have been a chef probably, you know, yeah. I, I love to cook and I'm trying different vegetables and different things and different recipes and having a whole lot of fun and finding all kinds of interesting things to do. Yeah. Um, I get up in the morning. I don't have to get so duded up to go to work and, yeah. and plus the time to the drive, you know, for the drive. So I have more time to exercise in the morning and to do some mindfulness and prepare myself for the day emotionally. Yeah. Um, so, uh, and you know, and the nice thing about being home is, uh, I can, you know, between patients, take my dogs out to, to do their thing outside, uh, or, or grab a snack yeah. and enjoy it or make myself a nice lunch. Cause I do have a full hour of lunch now. Right. I don't have, my lovely nurse is interrupting me every five minutes. <laughs> right. Yeah. Gotcha. So there's, there's flip sides, right? You can find the, there's opportunities here within the crisis to quote a cliche, really. Absolutely. You know, read, read books that you've been wanting to read. Catch up on shows. I, I'm not a big guy about, you know, sitting down watching TV a lot. But, um, you know, th- th- there's been some, some uh, movies that I wanted to catch up on. And I did that within probably the first week. I binged and I'm done. Yeah. And now I'm reading books. I'm reading a book about uh, Abraham Lincoln. Uh, I just ordered the book on the great pandemic. I want to, I, I used to have that book. I read it about 20 years ago and, and I got rid of it. Mm. I, I, I gave it away to a library cause I thought, ah, you know, that's just footnote. Yeah. Uh, and guess what? So I ordered it again and uh, <clears throat> hopefully it arrives tomorrow and I, and I'm really ready to read it again. Right. So it's, yeah. it's so it's funny you say about the um being the musician because um, I mean you are a musician you're an excellent musician and being very modest saying I would yeah. have been one like you're a part of a critically acclaimed claimed jazz combo that I yeah. listen to no yeah, Guanco is awesome it's great um so but it, as a musician it's it's a, it's a funny thing we get practice at being like okay I can play on my on my own and I can enjoy a little bit of this but being a percussionist there must be a you must miss that ability to get together and with people and jam and set that backbone and make people swing and just that that physical interaction you get out of it um it must be kind of difficult not to not to get that on its own you know it is and it isn't like yeah. right now i actually have time to sit down and study 
mm-hmm. um, uh, rudiments for an hour to two. And it's like very deep meditation. It's amazing how fast time goes down. Yeah. That goes by when you're sitting down doing something repetitive, mm-hmm. but focusing on, on the specific tone that you're getting, the variations that you're doing, and to keep that order. Mm-hmm. And at a certain point, you stop thinking about it and you kind of go into this state where you, your hands are moving, the sounds coming out of the drums, but uh, you are in in a state of almost like between sleep and and dream. You know, like a trance. It's very yeah. very interesting. Yeah, yeah. and and uh, you know the the thing is that happens when I'm playing with the other musicians, and it's it is sublime. But yeah, sometimes what happens is you're playing sort of for them. You have to think about what the saxophonist is going to do yeah. or to keep your volume down when the flute player is playing or when the piano is playing a particularly quiet solo. Yeah. You have to think of the dynamics of that. And uh, so I work on that by myself, but really I'm just working on technique because mm. I think that when I'm, when this is all said and done and I go back to playing, my drumming is going to be even better. Sure. Um, and that's a good thing. And I know that my other musician friends are doing this all over the world. Yeah, and uh, so that's a wonderful thing. And that's it's great. the same kind of thing in medicine. I'm reading a lot of medically related books. Uh, I'm reading. Um, I'm you know informing myself. I'm looking up stuff. I'm looking at charts that are a big mess because they have so many medical problems and so many medications that I'm actually organizing those charts. I have time to do that now right. and making them look nice and be able to make to make everything flow and writing notes that. Mm. That w- w- were I to be uh, picked up by the aliens tomorrow, um, the, the next person reading the chart would say, "Oh, I know why he's doing this, and I know, <laughs> right. and, and and this is when those last tests were done, and everything is in a, one cohesive place." So, right, y- you know, I'm making lemonade. Uh, you nice. know, um, so, so it's funny you say about um, you know the opportunity to work on fundamentals. So, our uh, mutual friend uh, Emmanuel Manolakakis, who runs um, you know a martial arts and health studio out there in Toronto. I was talking to him on the last podcast, actually, and he was talking about that, you know, we can't do what we were doing in practicing martial arts um, and teaching the way that we were. He's teaching remote classes, too, now. Um, And he said, but we have to embrace what we get to work on with the change, that that 90% of things that people don't work on, like balance and, you know, (laughs) like proprioception and all of these things that are foundational underpinnings to physical activity. Now we've got enough time and enough space and we've got the inclination and the motivation to slow down now and focus on little details like that. And he's like, you should embrace that time. You know, when else are we going to get that time to do it once things go well, back to that's like, that's right. That's flat. right. And yeah. you know, I'm, I'm going through boxes of stuff that I hadn't had a chance to look at. And, um, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm throwing away stuff. I'm purging stuff. I'm shredding old financial things. Great. Bit of minimalism going on. That's great. Yep. Excellent. And, uh, you know, yesterday I did uh, a Zoom class with Vladimir. Yeah, that was excellent. I did that one, too. <laughs> it was it was really, really, really good. I mean, you know, how to how to how to walk, how to step, how to stay light on your feet and yeah. have everything stress free. It's uh, it, it, it was th- that's about as basic as you can get. Right. Yeah. But it was Learning how effective how it was. Again. It was amazing. The, the lightness of spirit. And body, I felt after doing that practice. You know, that, I mean, we're uh, I'm preaching to the choir here, definitely. But if there was one yeah. single thing I could get people to do, I think for um, you know, 
changing their stress state, it would probably, well, if there was one thing, it would probably be sleep. Yeah, <laughs> or yeah. just fix your sleep hygiene and sleep conditions. Um, and the second would be practice, practice systema, you know, but then some other things come into it afterwards as well. Yeah. And, and yeah. I mean, the breathing part of it too. I mean, it yeah. is amazing how many people I'm teaching, um, you know, square breathing to calm themselves and to breathe at mindful, you know, and, and attach their, their breath to something positive as opposed to something negative. Yeah. What I usually find is that when people are afraid of something or terrified of, uh, you know, getting this infection or of going out, they hold their breath. They're very, you know, they're not hyperventilating. They're the, they're the opposite. They're holding their breath because mm-hmm. they are so scared. And one of the things that I'm teaching them is to pay attention to those cues, to their ch- the, the tightness in their chest and their abdomen, yeah. the tightness in their neck or their back, wherever it is that, that this, this problem manifests itself. Mm. And, and I teach them to grab it with their breath and bro- blow it out and yeah. gently, you know, just sort of breathe in and breathe out until you get all of it out and then calm yourself and fill yourself with good air yeah. so that this doesn't, this doesn't come back to bother you. And that if you feel it coming, start your breathing because that is your weapon. Yeah. And, uh, it's been uh, amazingly positive, uh, uh, I've had a few people in the emergency room that were sure they had, you know, COVID-19. They came in, they had one symptom, you know, mm. or two symptoms, and they were terrified. And, um, you know, after spending 20 minutes with them, I was able to calm them down. Yeah. I was able to uh, tell them what I would do uh, for them and, and what they should do for themselves. Yeah. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, and then follow up with them a few days later and ask them how they're doing and make sure that their symptoms are better and make sure that, that uh, they are still doing the breathing. And I can't tell you how many people have said that breathing really, really helps. It makes a difference. It's a big deal. Yeah, and you're, you're not the first um, physician in the systemic community. I've heard that from uh, Amber Conrad. You know, she works as a locum in uh, yeah. emergency rooms across the country. She just bounces between them, you know, doing ER work all the time. Yeah. And she said that, you know, she's it's kind of like a horse whisperer-esque superpower among her colleagues that, that they direct people who are anxious and stressed out when they come yeah. in to her and yeah. she can often yeah. calm them down where other people, where sometimes they would have to call in people to restrain them or call the cops or something, you know, she's, she's like, I use breathing with them all the time in order to get them. It, it's such a fundamental thing, but people, everybody, everybody thinks that it's, it's only for small problems, but it's not, it's the, it's the fundamental no, messenger that we get to it, talk it, to our nervous system right. with. Right? Yeah. yeah. You know, the other, the other thing about breathing, of course, is that you're breathing through the interface that you have with mirror neurons with, with other human beings yeah. can actually turn off somebody's sympathetic system. Sure. You can reshape. Uh, I, I had a conversation with Vladimir at one of the, one of the, um, one of the seminars in Toronto. And he said, you know, the, the, how, how he told me how powerful breathing was in, in um, sort of manipulating an adversary Mm. where you want into where you want him mm. or her, you know? Um, so, uh, it was extremely, uh, it's an extremely beneficial, uh, thing to study. And I, you know, I'm a strong believer that Sistema changes lives. It changed my life and yeah. it made me a better physician. And through that knowledge, I am trying to, um, pass that on to other people. I'd like to take a minute to thank everyone who has contributed to the show, all our listeners, and to everyone who's offered requests, encouragement, and feedback along the way. 
I also need to ask a quick favor. We have already enjoyed two years of high quality interviews, insights, and ideas on Systema for Life. We'd like to keep the show going and we want to keep it open to all, but we need your help to do it. It takes time, effort, and more than little cash to produce a podcast. More than two grand a year at current hosting and production rates. We have no paid advertising and we do it all off our own backs with help from listeners and generous supporters like you. So if you're a fan of Systema for Life and you get real value from the ideas and the conversations we create, then please take a few minutes now to subscribe at www.ncsystema.com support. Support at whatever level you feel like you can afford. Even $3 or $5 a month is a help. Think of it as buying us a beer or a cup of coffee once a month for our travels. So visit ncsystema.com support and use the buttons on the page to select your preferred monthly or annual support level. You'll receive a confirmation on sign-up, and you can cancel at any time. Your support really does help ensure the survival of the show. With gratitude, thank you very much. So, so in terms of concrete measures that people can take in terms of um, lifestyle at the moment, so in, in the stress-proof course that I teach and I offer, um, I, I tend to focus on a, four quick fixes at the beginning. I'm like, There's lots of things that you can do to alter your response to stress. But I'm like, if you can fix these big four, it's a really good start and it will take care of probably 90% of everything <laughs> that's going yeah. wrong at the moment. And, and those for me are diet, sleep, movement, and your focus or your use of time, right? If, if you're completely sedentary all the time, if there's no movement, it doesn't have to be like high intensity interval training exercise. But if you're just sitting around on the couch all the time, literally your nervous system assumes that you're injured or sick. And it responds um, in kind, right? It keeps you in a sympathetic state the whole time. And if you're right. if you're not sleep, if you're not right. protecting your sleep, if you're sitting up, you know, looking at blue screens until two in the morning and reading, you know, news reports and you know <laughs> of exaggerated things going on, then you and then you you basically create insomnia and you don't give your nervous system a chance to reset itself before the next day, and then that stress becomes cumulative, right? That anxiety it, it manifests really in your body, builds up from day to day. So they're cute things. So, but diet is an interesting one. People don't tend to respond to that as readily, I find. But there's a lot of research that shows that the things we eat can actually drive up and drive down our nervous system responses as well. And I know that you're a big advocate of um, plant-based diet and whole foods and all of those yeah. things as well. Is, do, you, do you feel like there's a, there's a role for that at the moment? That, because I, I'm assuming, if from what I've seen, that at the moment, bad diets and insomnia are pretty much the norm. Everybody's slobbing out and eating their comfort right. food, you know, it's like, which is kind of the worst thing they can do when they're already stressed out, right? And is there any advice that you can offer to people right now on that? Well, a few things, actually. One of them is that there are a lot of foods that create a pro-inflammatory state in your body. Yeah. And so they make it more likely that you're going to have that kind of a sympathetic response. Yeah. So that includes uh, milk, cheese, dairy, eggs, uh, red meat is, is very pro-inflammatory, mm. and even chicken and fish, particularly when they are contaminated with hormones or other substances, they can do that. Yeah. The other thing to, to remember is that um, blood sugar level has a lot to do with your mood. If, yeah. you, if you have drops in your blood sugar, i.e. if you're eating things that are loaded with sweets, or loaded with sugar, yeah. when you eat high sugar things, your body has a very fast insulin response yep. to get that sugar out of your bloodstream. So then you get an effect of hypoglycemia right after that. Mm. So low blood sugar is a powerful irritant to the brain. Yeah. It's like a, you peak and trough too much, right, throughout the day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The thing is to stay in the middle. I mean, watching Vladimir and Michael um, sort of dispatch with even 
highly respected instructors all over the world, you know, STEM instructors with such ease. uh, I can't help but think that not only is it their, 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 um, what what would I call it? All their years of experience, but it's also Mm. how calm they are, how they do not react to everything and how they are very decisive in what they do, but they're very creative in what they do too. In other words, they're not, uh, focused on doing one quote move, end of quote. Right? Yeah. They are so relaxed that whatever comes their way, they're able to respond to it in the most direct and effective way. Yeah. And so it's the same kind of thing with anxiety. Your body is wired to respond to threats. Yeah. And in order to stop that, you have to be able to have a sense of relaxation and reduced level of sympathetic tone at all times, but be able to turn it on when you need it. Yeah, definitely. But to the extent that you need it. In other words, it can't go like a light switch. It's more like a dimmer. It goes up a little and it comes back down. Yeah. And your breath is really the master switch for all this. Yeah. So it comes back to that interaction between breathing, movement, and and the other oh, things. Yes. Are, yeah, definitely. And you know, that list that you gave me um, is really a, a, a part of the list for um, lifestyle medicine. We yeah. make sure that people are getting enough sleep. We try and get them all to sleep about eight hours a day. We tell them that sleep is super important. We talk to them, I talk to them at least, about the glymphatic system, how that's the, uh, the, the, the part of the brain that actually cleans out all this de- these molecular debris yeah. that's in your brain. And that it only works during REM sleep. And if you're not getting enough REM sleep, so for example, if you have sleep apnea or if you're getting disturbed at night because of an animal in your, you know, your cat is waking Mm. you up or a child screaming. Three-year-old, in my case. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, you have to mitigate that by, you know, taking turns so that you guys can both recover. I mean, there's a lot of stuff you can do. But I guess my point being sleep is super important. Diet is super important. Mm-hmm. Uh, exercise is super important. Going outdoors and going and getting some sun, yeah, super important. It actually brightens your mood. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the vitamin D is important for immune function and for cognitive function. Sure. Um, Resets circadian and, rhythms too, right? So it helps you sleep yeah, if you get outside and get those wavelengths. Exactly. Yeah, that's exactly right. It yeah. it uh, it actually helps reset that clock and normalize it, so that you're able to fall asleep when you're supposed to and wake up when you're supposed to. Definitely. You know? So, so in terms of the um, on the focus, that's another thing that I, that um, I like to talk about in Stress Proof. At the moment, um, there seems to be, I mean, understandably, because people are trying to make sense of the situation, there's an, there's an excessive focus on the threat and the danger, right, of everything. Um, yeah. And there's a constant, obviously, bombardment with news and updates. There's a 24-hour news cycle, even if they haven't got anything new to say, right? They're, they're just <laughs> recycling the same stuff that was released yesterday or whatever happened politically oh, or whatever happened in the medical field over, over and over. And, over. and, and um, yeah, they create a sense of hysteria, you know? Yeah. So, so how do you feel like we should best deal with both like the constant bombardment of news and also so like some of the divisiveness that that can produce on like social media and things like that as well? Is it just a question of just switching off for a while, limiting your actual exposure to it? Or is there some other way of managing that? Well, first of all, there are some uh, radio stations or television stations or channels that tend to have a much more bombastic delivery about everything. You know, they, they thrive on controversy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. and and uh, that's right. And and uh, 
the same thing. I mean, even on, on Facebook, I'm like limiting my time on Facebook because I'm seeing ads and I'm seeing angry political stuff and I'm seeing this and I'm seeing that. So, you know, I basically just turn it on, see whose birthday it is, send them a happy birthday, uh, see if anybody tagged me yeah. or wants to say anything, uh, check a few of my musician friends and, and other friends. But it's a very quick thing. It's maybe 15 minutes a day. And then I turn that stuff off. Yeah, I don't need it. I, I, I'd rather be doing something else, you know. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I've been telling a lot of patients, a lot of my patients using this mantra, and even my son, who I talked to earlier today, I said, you know, Nick, when you can't go out, go in. You know, when mm. you can't go out and be along, around all your friends, he's a young guy, he misses his buddy, he misses working on cars with him, you know, doing that kind of stuff. He's a, he's a, he's a gearhead, you know, so... I said, when you can't go and do that, go inside, go inside yourself, read a technical book, um, you know, you know, get a book about the, the, the Mustangs, get a book about the Corvettes, get a book about the Ferraris and yeah. read about them, read about their technical advances, do something to educate yourself and to make yourself better at what you love mm. during this time, because now you have the time to do it. Yeah. Sound advice. You know? right. So, so yeah. um, the, the other thing that I'm seeing is that, um, there seems to be a marked division in how people are dealing with it, in, at least within my extended forensic group, from people who do and don't have family living at home with them. You know, the, the people who are kind of, you know, in their 20s or 30s and they're kind of at double income, no kids, you know, like hanging out. They're like, yeah. well, this is not so bad. And some of them even used to work at home before this, right? They had uh, remote working jobs where they work in tech or they work in finance or whatever it's going to be. And, and life hasn't really changed that much for them. They're still getting paid the same. They've got no, <laughs> they've got no worries about right. getting fired and they, right. they just do right. their work. And now they get to be at home with their dog and make meals and all the stuff that you were talking about. So, so for them, there's, it's a very different experience to somebody who's, you know, bringing up two or three kids, whether they're little kids like mine, I've got a three-year-old and a seven-year-old, um, or whether they've got teenagers who really don't want to be at home or even college-age kids who have had to come back, you know, and, and live at home with their parents again. At a time right. when you know when they were enjoying their freedom and that kind of that separation and that kind of that one attempt that we get in our you know society to kind of have the ritual of of casting out on your own and that kind of stuff, what effect do you feel like this kind of forced isolation is having on kind of family dynamics on 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 the kind of on people's psychology because on the one hand we should be embracing this time that we get with our families, but on the other, I feel like people aren't used to it and it's been thrust upon them. Um, and some people are having trouble with that. It's causing them kind of anxiety or it's causing them irritation and they're bouncing up against each other like they would like a bad college roommate or something. Right. Well, you know, we, uh, I'll give you an example. I sometimes see couples where, you know, the husband was always gone, um, you know, traveling uh, in their engineering job or their sales job. Yeah. Or, or they're at work all day and they had a somewhat dysfunctional relationship mm. with their spouse. And, and that part, part of the uh, solution to the dysfunctional relationship was the fact that they were apart. Yeah. That actually helped the dysfunction from getting too dysfunctional because the amount of time of contact with each other was limited. Mm. But now when they're stuck together, it's a different story. They can't ignore mm. it, right? That's right. They, they can't ignore it. And, you know, I, I tell people, you know, at least sit down and have discussions about this and be open minded. And, and the, the rule is that while somebody else is talking, you're not thinking what you're going to answer to what they're saying. You're mm. just listening. Mm. 
Right. Don't, don't immediately start thinking of what your rebuttal is while they're talking. Let them finish what they have to say and imagine yourself being in their shoes and feeling what they're feeling and why they might feel that way. Mm. And then pause before you answer or say anything. Yeah. Let them finish and then pause and take a minute to digest that and then say and then ask them more questions about it as opposed to giving them a quote solution or a rebuttal. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's real listening, right? Yeah, active listening, right? You're actually yeah at attempting yeah. to like uh, engage with what the person is telling you, <laughs> right? Yeah, gotcha. You know, and if and if it's really that bad, then then figure something else out because you know if it's not going to work out, it's not going to work out, and you know. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> frank frank advice, but um, probably all the way correct on that one. And and how about with kids? Because it's um it's what a lot of has been happening as well with all the all the schools shut down. Um, yeah. parents who, you know, outsourced that childcare and that education for many hours of every day um, are now being forced to, a lot of them, both parents are working from home and they're on Zoom calls from, you know, eight in the morning until whenever at night. Um, and the, the kids are like little executives. They're on Zoom calls as well. They have their own meetings. They have their own like homeschool things. So it's like homeschooling, but you, that's not your job, right? That you're doing another job too. That's and you're right. also having to supervise the second thing that's going on. I mean, even in my family, my, um, my wife is a, a teacher. She teaches at Montessori school. Um, yeah. and yet she's, she's still working. So she's teaching other people's kids. Um, so for the first few hours of every day, I'm with our kids, like, um, kind of facilitating that, you know, that learning and keeping the three-year-old occupied with fun play things. But the, you know, the seven-year-old has math to learn and language and, things like that as well that he's doing. And it's, and it's we're not accustomed to it, and it can be quite difficult when you feel like you've got lots of other things going on at the same time. Um, and what I found is that once I could, once I decided that there's no way I'm going to do anything in addition to this, right, I'm not going to try and uh, respond to emails for work or anything like that in the dead times while my son is working or something's going on. If I give myself entirely to that few hours, you know, and just to them, give them my full attention, it's way easier. But the expectation that you can do something else as well is what creates this tension that trying to multitask, it just doesn't work, right? So. That's right. It does not. And, and, and that is sometimes one of the stressors is, you know, you, you want to know what's happening in this TV show that you were watching or this serial, you know, that you were watching, or you want to know what's the next page in that book, that thriller that you were reading, or uh, wh what's uh, going on in this argument that's between these colleagues that's going on in Facebook and who says what about whom. And the thing is, they're all distractors to human interaction, to real human interaction with people mm. that, that, that really matter in your life. Um, I, I tell some of these young families that, you know, I want you, I, I give you permission to be like a kid during that time, but, but have enough of a parent in the background so you don't do anything dumb or dangerous, you know? <laughs> That's so good advice. It, 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 yeah, it might be that you're going to do makeup day or you're going to draw. Today you're going to draw. Uh, tomorrow you're gonna you're gonna make some crafts. You know you're gonna take some jars and or or uh, you know or uh, or paint some uh, buckets and make funny hats. You know. Yeah. And this is all inexpensive, fun, easy things that you can do with your kids. Take lots of photos because someday you will grin when you see those, or you might even cry. Yeah. Um, but but nevertheless, you know, be like a kid. Be be you know be a part of what it is they want you to be and what's missing in their lives. A lot of times what's missing in their life is other kids. Yeah. And uh, you can say today we're going to do this. You know, we're going to, uh, we're going to cook together. Uh, yeah. What do you want to cook? What do you want to cook? What do you like? 
Yeah. And I'll chop the stuff. You guys prepare it. Let's make some cool designs and let's surprise daddy or let's surprise grandma or let's surprise your sister. You know, just that kind of creativity um, and, and giving people permission to be creative and to just let go of everything else and say, you know, this is your time. Yeah. When you can't go out, go in. You're yeah. in. You're in the house, stuck with your kids. Yeah. Um, you can't be looking at your at your cell phone while your kids are trying to get the attention. Yeah. That creates stress for them. It creates stress for you. Yeah. And you hit the nail on the head when you said that. But that's the, that's the truth. Yeah, definitely. That's great advice. That there's one piece of uh, takeaway advice: when you can't go out, go in. I think that should be on the t-shirt. Everybody should buy that. So you should start printing those immediately. I'll direct people to your website. Okay, you that. have my permission, and I'll buy a dozen from you. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> Sue gets it, gets it first. That's excellent. Yeah, I've, uh, I never would have imagined like seeing myself now. I have this dual, triple existence. It's like I'm a, I'm I'm an author and presenter, and I work on stress and resilience. I also teach martial arts, so I spend a good amount of time wrestling with big burly Russians and things. Um, and yeah. then during the time I'm with my kids, I've also become something of an expert on princess braiding for my like little girl's hair and <laughs> baking <laughs> things. So don't tell the guys that, you know, it's fun. So it's, uh, yeah, it's very, uh, it's, it's interesting how you can juggle these things, right? It's fun. But yeah, I think that, you know, that's excellent. You, know, yeah. you, you, uh, you're an active guy and, and b- being a Sistema instructor comes with a certain level of deep understanding of movement and relaxation you yeah. know, I have never seen Vladimir or Michael or you or any of the the top instructors looking angry. I've never seen that ever. Mm. And part of that is because you develop sort of a childlike quality, you know, where mm. you're just interested in everyone and everything. Uh, and you kind of go through life without any big emotional ups and downs, you know? Mm. Yeah. I'd, I'd love to say that's a hundred percent true, but <laughs> some of it, some of it, you might not spend all, spend all the time with me. So I do, yeah. I, I think we probably all get our ups and downs, but maybe fewer. Like if you understand more about your mind and your body, you'll probably experience fewer peaks and troughs than somebody who's oblivious to it, right? I mean, I, I have I have them, but for me, I'm usually kind of a joyful person. You know, I you I are laugh, indeed. I, yeah. I, I am. I'm a happy guy, and uh, yeah. And people tell me, oh, you, you know, when I'm around you, I feel happy. I said, well, that's because you have permission to be happy from me. Okay? <laughs> yeah. Be happy, and you don't. And by the way, you don't. The secret is, you don't need my permission. You can be happy even when I'm not around, or even when I'm gone. Be <laughs> happy, right? That's excellent. I love it. Brilliant. <laughs> Well, thanks so much, Alberto. I'm uh, conscious of our time here. We're keeping you up late into the night after you've been working all day long and everything as well. But I, I really appreciate you taking the time and to you know share your insight and your expertise and your experience on this. Um, I'd love to have you back on the on the show again at uh, some later date to talk, hopefully in uh, under brighter conditions. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you so much for asking me, and uh, it's it's very nice to talk to you as always. And I hope to run into you into at one of the seminars. Absolutely. Uh, either on Zoom or on. Uh, uh, on a map. <laughs> yeah. Let's hope for the latter sometime very soon. That'll be great. Yeah. All okay. right, man. Take care of yourself, my friend. Yeah. Bye bye. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to find out more about classes, workshops, and seminars at NC Systema, please visit us online at www.ncsystema.com. <laughs>